Hi, I'm Chris Avino, American Outdoor News, and welcome to the American Outdoor News Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking to Detective Rossi from Criminal Minds, Joey Zaza from Godfather 3, and the host of Gun Stories, Joe Montagna. Okay, I'm Chris Avino. I'm here with Joe Montagna, host of Gun Stories, um, star of uh, screen, TV, producer, credits go on and on. Thanks for coming, Joe. My pleasure, Chris. Can you tell me a little bit about Gun Stories? How'd that come about? Well, Gun Stories, we started that about seven years ago. Um, we're starting our eighth season now. But pretty much all it was was, uh, you know, uh, t Tim Kremen and, and Michael Bain, two guys that, you know, produce, direct, write the show, came up with this idea with, for, with the Outdoor Channel. And I think they must have read somewhere that I was a, a shooting enthusiast. Mm -hmm. You know, I made no bones about that over the course of my career. And uh, they just basically sent a random email to my website, and my assistant read it. She's been with me many years and knows that I do have an interest in these things. And came to me says, you know, I've got this thing. You want to look into it? I said, sure, let's look into it. So basically these two guys flew out, from one from Oklahoma, one from Colorado, met me on the set of Criminal Minds, where I've been my day job for the last 11 years. <laughs> Great show, by the way. Thank you. And... Uh, they they pitched me this idea about me hosting a show that would deal with the, you know this the history basically the history of firearms and its impact on the world and it just sounded very interesting to me and I'm a big believer of like you know something comes your way and it sounds interesting let's check it out you know sure. what we better be doing something than nothing you know now so you, I've checked it out and I've been checking it out over seven years you're going on your eighth season going right? on our eighth season so it's been great <laughs> now you. There's so many firearms to shoot from. Mm. How do you pick what you're going to... Well, it's difficult because, you know, and I've certainly shot a lot. I mean, I, I think about it. I, I've shot every, everything from, you know, under 22 caliber to over 50 caliber, you mm. know. So, I mean, so I've run the gamut of firearms uh, from handguns to pistol uh, to uh, uh, rifles to shotguns to just military weapons, the whole nine yards. And But, you know, the history of... Firearms is also the history of the world. I mean, it just is. I mean, from the, you go back to, to when gunpowder was invented to today, it's limitless. I mean, what we can do, we could probably do 500 episodes of gun stories and still not cover everything. Every year, and, and every country, I mean, every country has a history. So, and we delve into firearms from every country. So, so the history of the gun, you know, aside from even what its function is, just that it's its place in, in, in each nation's history mm. is really important. So uh, our, our our show will also you know deal with that, and it makes it I, what I think makes it successful makes it interesting. Now, what was the most innovative firearm that you? Well, there's been a few. You know, I, one of the most innovative that really comes to mind is I can't quite think of the name of it, but it was one basically designed for French paratroopers during World War II. And the reason made it so innovative is, you know, these guys were on a parachute, had to carry something they felt was powerful yet compact, mm -hmm. something a little more than a, than a, Wasn't a pistol. Wasn't going to get in the way of a jump. Exactly. So they they came up with this semi-automatic, basically machine gun, that folds up into a square that almost looks like a, a house brick. And you, it, took, it took me about 20 minutes of instruction, which they, of course they would have to do with these paratroopers, to as to how it. Unfolded unfolds. It's like putting a together a puzzle and becomes a little, <laughs> little, basically almost like a bullpup rifle. 
And I thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, and then when you get into all the different designs of what people come up with for you know, how guns function and how they work, I mean, it's been it's been a, quite a ride for me over these past seven years to see the different innovations and Ooh. configurations and all that. But that one certainly of, of recent memory comes to mind as something that if, you, if it was sitting on this table, you wouldn't even know it was a firearm until you kind of put it all together. Wow. Things like that, that, that stretches... Uh, the ingenuity of the, those who invent these things, which is also what's very attractive about the, the industry. Well, what was the biggest game changer at a weapons past and present that changed the way firearms were actually manufactured, how they fired, their accuracy, their distance? What was the biggest game changer? Well, that, that's a, that's more, that's a question better asked of somebody with more knowledge than me as to exactly you know the real history of firearms in that respect. Because there's certain innovations all along the way that made huge differences. I mean, just going from you know from from black powder to smokeless powder to things like that, or going from rim rim fire to center fire. So I mean, there's all kinds of different innovations that changed you know shoot and and they continue yeah. to. So I mean. Uh, it's an ongoing process, but along the way, when you have people like you know uh, Kalishnikov or people like oh, John Browning, or you have these these inventors, guys who they move they move the process forward because they're they 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 they're like Tesla or, or even Da Vinci in the sense that they 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 see something in there that you know moves everything forward. Something innovative that changes the whole. Yeah, thing. and those kinds of guys still exist today. I mean, we were out at the Benelli factory in Urbino, Italy, and I mean, to meet this fellow Marco, who was very much behind much of the innovation of the Benelli shotgun. Now, here's a guy who's like a modern-day Browning, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 always interesting to 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 see how how these things uh, how, how the industry progresses. What was the most unusual firearm? Well, there's been a few. I mean, like I say, that 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 French. Bullpup is right on the top five, I would say. I mean, sometimes there were, there were a few guns that were um, that were made for clandestine kind of work. I mean, I, 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 we did an episode where I dealt with a gun that basically was also a brass knuckle, but also was a gun. So, wow. I mean, if the gun misfired, I guess you could punch the guy, you know, because yeah. it had the barrels coming out of the, the, the part that was kind of... Close right combat. Front. Yeah, close combat. And then they've had guns that were in canes, guns that were in belts, uh, guns that were in pens. Yeah. So, you mean, they they've found, have found ways to incorporate firearms to, so, into so, all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. So, those are probably the most, you know, innovative and obscure and kind of like, wow, you know, not, most of them do not probably have a light, light, long shelf life because... Novelty. You, you, yeah, novelty. You couldn't count on it probably in, in, if, over the long run. But they do exist and they did happen. It just shows the, the, the imagination of these inventors. Out of all the guns that you've reviewed, which one do you think had the most impact of the firearms of, the, of today? Well, that's that's a good question too. I mean, I think in many ways you think you got you almost have to say the 22 rimfire has had a huge impact because you know it, it's a, it's a, it has sustained so long. I mean, mm -hmm. here was something that was probably prevalent in like the Civil War. I know that's one of your favorites. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and you think about it today, they're still making these wonderful little 22s, and it's still a ch fairly cheap way to shoot and yeah. enjoy the shooting sports that are not so too loud and they're. So I mean, I, I like everything. Absolutely, I think everything is. I still appreciate everything about like the 22 rimfire. Um, you know, Browning's. You know, the, the invention of the you know the 1911 to me is it was important because it's 
that's that's my favorite kind of go-to kind of gun caliber and configuration. It's the mm -hmm. one I've been carrying on Criminal Minds for the last 11 years, a version of that. That's the 1911. The 1911 configuration. So, I mean, I think that's something that's has held up through, you know, two world wars and, mm -hmm. and beyond. And so um, uh, there's there's a, a lot of things out there. And you can get into the rifles and stuff, lever actions that were big in the cowboy days are still, you know, mm -hmm. as popular today, if not more. And, and you still have these cowboy shoots that still incorporate stuff like 45 yeah, long colt and stuff like that. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, the good stuff, the stuff that endures, that does just that, it endures. So stuff that was popular 100 years ago, sometimes 200 years ago. There are still people, you know, still people out there shooting black powder and doing all of that, too. Now, a lot of the uh, parts that you've taken over the years, Bugsy, uh, Joey Zaza, uh, Fat Tony, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them revolve around firearms. Yeah. Was that by design, or they just happen to come your way because people know well, your Well, yeah, I think that's just the luck of the draw. But again, I think it, it again points to what I mentioned earlier, that guns are part of our history. So yeah. in other words, it's almost difficult to tell a, a historical story mm -hmm. without somehow incorporating the firearms of that time within them, at least if it's a dramatic story. Yeah. And if it has to do with either survival or combat or protection or targets, you know, pastime, whatever the subject matter may be. I mean, there will always be firearms of that era that were, are uh, have a place mm -hmm. in that that its history. So it's no difference in my movie business. Uh, I, I uh, you know, I've I've I've, I've shot and I've been shot a lot <laughs> with my characters that I've played over the last forty plus years. But again, it's it's part of. Uh, you know, the, 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 the history of the world and the history of firearms. What, um, what does the Second Amendment mean to you? Second Amendment is very, I, very important to me, and, be, and, and it's for reasons that I think, because I think there's a huge section of our populace that doesn't quite get it, mm -hmm. that doesn't quite understand it. When I mean that they don't understand it, I'm not saying that they, that, that they just don't have the, the knowledge that I think they should have is to understand the depth of it and that it's not just an amendment that was put there like we think everybody should have a gun and then that's it. In other words, and I think many people believe that. They think, well, that's yeah. a crazy amendment that might have worked in the 1700s, but that doesn't apply today. We should get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's almost like saying, well, we have a First Amendment called we have a freedom of speech. I, to be, be as cavalier about that second amendment, you have to be as cavalier about the first one. So where do you draw the line? Well, so in other words, without the second one, you don't have the first one. And that's what I think people don't understand it. And, and I understand it. It's been misused and misabused in the sense that it only works if you have an educated, responsible, honest populace. But this is what the Founding Fathers hoped was going to happen. And we in this course, of, in this nation, of course, every day, hope will happen. Yeah. We hope that like, we're all, that we're all like individuals and we all, we all go our own way. We're a nation of immigrants in this country. But we all want to follow the same kind of rules, regulations and stuff, wherever it is. And so that Second Amendment, there's a reason the Founding Fathers made that the Second Amendment. Because they knew, all right, we're going to start, well, let's, let's start at the top, what's most important. Our freedoms are the most important. To have that freedom of speech, that's going to be the most important thing. Okay, how do we protect that? We need that to have that thing. And that's got nothing to do with, with people who misuse that privilege and people, gang guys who go get a gun and start, you know, illegally and start shooting people. It on the street. By doing that, that doesn't necessarily negate 
what the Second Amendment is. You don't say, that'd be like saying, you know, oh, I see this guy jumped the curb with that car and killed all these people with his car. We better, we better think about banning cars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it really is that same kind of a logic. I understand people get killed by firearms every day, and I understand people get killed, unfortunately, due to misuse of them and people using them, you know, criminals using them and all that. But that doesn't negate the 99% of the people in this country that understand, you know, that, that realize this is, this is, this is, this is part of not just our heritage, it's part of the foundation of keeps this country, keeps us free. It really does. Yeah. Because you can't have the logic, because it didn't work in other countries where they said, yeah, let's disarm the populace. We'll just trust the military and the, and the, the police and the governing those in charge. They'll take care of us. Hasn't always worked. Yet in this country, we still every four years, even every two years, we peacefully go to the polls and vote and change, sometimes completely change the power structure. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen all over this planet. And the places where it happens the least are the places where the people, they can't say anything about it anyway. Yeah. It's almost like you've almost surrendered and said, look, this is your ball game. Good luck. So that's why it's an important, it's an important amendment to me. All right. Um, well, one last thing. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. um, most people don't know that you were a musician as well. Yeah, I was. Now, you were part of a band. You played bass. Mm-hmm. Or a group called the Missing Link. No, that was that 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 that's mistake. I played with a group called the Apocryphals, and we used to tour with a group called the Missing Links. Oh, okay. And the Missing Links became the group Chicago. Okay. And I think sometimes there's been some confusion about that. I never was in the Missing Links, but I'm to this day I'm very close to the band Chicago. I'm even in the documentary that HBO recently did on them. Uh, we became good friends at that time, which was about probably 19, I'd say 67, 68. Uh, of course, their career went one way musically. My career went another way <laughs> musically. So that's why I kind of got into the acting game. I think things worked out. Yeah, <laughs> things worked out for all, both of us. Uh, but I had to go a different direction. I didn't have the musical kind of talent they did. But uh, yeah, but the Missing Links, who did become Chicago, they are to this day are still very close friends of mine. I actually, they brought me up on stage at the Greek Theater in L.A. a few years ago and had me sing a song with them uh, for old time's sake. That's great. Uh, so, so in essence, I, I've, I, I've, I've played with them. But I was never a member of the group, but that's okay. It's, uh, my day job is doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, well, I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again. And that's our show for today. Thanks again for watching our American Outdoor News podcast. You could always go to AmericanOutdoorNews.com for more great interviews and stories. And remember, whether you're hunting the plains of Africa, hiking the Appalachian Trail, or uh, fishing the Sea of Cortez, American Outdoor News has it covered. Thanks again.